Tyler Stevenson's inexperience might have led to a loss. Jeff's going to explain. Jonathan Indy is the one guy the Reds cannot afford to lose. We will update you on his condition. And Mike Miner suffers a minor setback in the minors. Say that three times fast. All that and more coming up on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are in our fourth season podcasting about this Cincinnati Reds team. And despite their struggles, we remain quite addicted to them, and we've turned that addiction into information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen because we are free and available on all platforms including YouTube. On today's episode, we are going to tell you why uh, more early growing pains kind of led to the Reds blowing a game in L.A. Mike Miner had a setback, and we'll spend more time on the IL because of it. But we've got to start with Jonathan India and the Death Star explosion-like consequences his absence is going to have on this team, Steve, because I'm telling you, if you look up and down this roster, yes, it would hurt if Joey Votto wasn't here. Yes, it would hurt if Tyler Stevenson wasn't here. There is no one more important to this lineup than Jonathan India, and any extended absence by him is detrimental to anything that this team sees as success in 2022. You know, people get fixated on defense, Jeff, and and looking at Jonathan India and and the position of second base. I mean, he's he plays a great second base, but you can find another body to kind of stick out there and play some serviceable second base for a few games. I think that that's a, a possibility. What you can't do is find a guy to step into that leadoff role and help drive this offense. This is a team that's going to struggle offensively anyway, especially with some of the woes that guys like Mustakas and Colin Moran are experiencing when they're out there, and and it's just not great uh, when you take right. away that fire at the top of the lineup uh, basically what it does is it, it it hurts everybody below him in the lineup too uh, the more that this lineup becomes uh, unintimidating we'll say uh, the less pitches guys like Joey Votto are going to get to see that, that they're going to actually be able to hit. So uh, there's a trickle-down effect from him being out of the lineup uh, that I just don't see that there's anybody else on this roster right now that can really uh, replace what Jonathan India brings to the top of the order. No, and, and to kind of accentuate what we're talking about in case you fell asleep because you might have it was a late game totally understand that but last night Jonathan India on his second hit of the day no less he was starting to look like he was coming out of the you know first couple of games funk that he's been in he beat out an infield single but as he was running through first base he came up short he was down in a crouched position looked like he was hurt And before the trainer could even get to him on the field, he was walking off into the dugout. We're talking about a dude that I felt got hit by every single moving fastball uh, hit, anything he could get hit by late last season, and he stayed in the game through the pain. He was immediately taken out of the game. Now, he slammed his helmet down in the dugout, and he was still walking around, and it didn't seem to be like a gingerly walk or anything like that. And post-game reports from David Bell are optimistic, although David Bell saying anything about health-wise and being optimistic about it, you need to take with about 17 grains of salt. I, I, I think that 
it's probably not as bad as it looks, but honestly, any amount of time with him out of the lineup, yeah, you're talking about a leadoff hitter, I don't know, Tyler Naquin, maybe? Like, I, I don't necessarily know that it is readily obvious who's going to take over his spot in the leadoff position because nobody has the on-base potential and the speed and the just overall hitting prowess that Jonathan India has. No, and if, if you watched when India walked off the field, he was grabbing that right hamstring. I mean, he was actually, yeah. like, actually grabbing at it as he was heading into the dugout. Uh, the thing with hamstrings are... It's it's not necessarily uh, we worry about him being out six weeks because it's such a severe injury or a severe hamstring pull. It's just that hamstrings are notoriously slow to heal. And, you know, when your legs aren't right, it affects everything. It affects your ability to hit. It affects your ability to field and it affects your ability to run the bases. It takes away all three phases of the game. So, you know, I worry that uh, it's going to take prolonged time just to get India comfortable where he can go back out there and not make it worse uh, in regards to who replaces him. I I think looking at the roster as it's constructed, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, they put Drury out there uh, and, and he's hitting 400 early on the season, but I don't know that he's a long-term solution. You know, he can give you a game, he can give you two games, but extended uh, playing time for him, I think exposes him a little bit. I agree. And yeah, you know, kind of like you said, he, he he's looked all right early on, but they signed Donovan Solano to be a backup. He's not there. Without Jose Barrero in the lineup, Kyle Farmer has no mobility and he cannot move around the infield like we would hope. And, and I'd like to see him at third base. You're certainly not going to put Mike Moustakas at second base. Remember when that was a thing? Oof. Um, they, they, so, might. they might. Can you imagine? This infield, oh could, this infield could have Colin Moran at third base and Mike Moustakas at second base. I mean, that is a legitimate possibility for this lineup as they struggle to find infielders. Might as well just start Jeff Hoffman. I don't. I don't. Oh, God. Steve. No, 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 no. Don't do that to me. No. You just you just described like some sort of nightmare world of baseball in which I'm like sitting in the cheap seats behind a pole and I can't see anything and I'm re- and relying on the PA announcer to tell me what's going on. And Jonathan Indy is not at bat and the, oh, 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 oh. Oh, boy. Okay. That's not good. No. No, it's not. Um, this this is a scenario in which I think it's, it's pretty obvious who should fill in. And it's a guy that, to this point, has not gotten the chances that we think should have gotten the chances. But when we look at this injury, like, the hamstring is no joke, man. Like, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., pretty obvious here that when you see a dude pull up lame like this it is not a good sign and especially with as quickly as he came out of the game and I I appreciate David Bell for as you know optimistic as he is on prognostications for injured players but they always prove to go longer and you know we'll talk about Mike Miner in a little bit he had a setback uh, Luis Castillo still has not started a rehab assignment. And I remember they talked to David Bell later in spring training where he's just like, ah, yeah, they'll be back soon. It's like, I think that's his default answer when you're talking about, he's not going to give you an answer that you really need to put any sort of value on. So I am a little worried about Jonathan India being out much longer than just this weekend, because that's what they were saying. They're like, okay, there's a discussion about whether he can play this weekend, but 
honestly, if it comes down to it, I don't necessarily think they should be rushing him back because you could Make it worse. really, uh, yeah, it could be much worse. Listen, the, I think the bottom line is any amount of time that India is out of the lineup means it's going to be at the long. It's going to be a long day at the office for David Bell trying to figure out exactly how to construct this Reds lineup. Uh, you alluded to it just a second ago. I'm going to tell you, Jeff, that Aleo Lopez deserves a shot to be on this Reds roster right now. He is the missing piece that the Reds need to stay strong as they fight through injuries. And if you're looking for the missing piece in your diets lineup, head over and grab a Built Bar right now. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Matter of fact, it might even be better than a candy bar. Uh, you want to eat healthy and it just gets so difficult. Your, your diet drags on, it gets boring, you want to give up and really by about three or four weeks in, you are just looking for a way to get a candy bar. Well, let me tell you, Built Bar is just like a candy bar. Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate and has amazing health statistics. It's a baseball podcast here, folks. I love the statistics. So does Jeff. So do you deep down. Uh, Built Bar statistics, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs for you folks on the keto diet, and they are jam-packed with 17 grams of protein. Uh, they have amazing flavors like Cherry Barcia, which is my personal favorite. They've got coconut brownie chunk. They've got salted caramel. And they've got lots of different products like the puffs. They've got protein enriched broth. They got all kinds of things. So if you want to place your order today, head over to built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's going to get you 15% off of your next order at Built Bar and help get your diet set in the right direction. It's going to help you achieve your health goals as we move through this 2022 baseball season. That's a built.com using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order of Built Bar. And I just had a coconut uh, marshmallow puff right before this recording. Very, very good. Very good. <laughs> Thank you so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Um, for your next listen, head over and check out the Locked on Now podcast. Locked on Now has recaps of all of MLB's games with analysis from your local experts. Uh, they're going to take fans through the season like no other network. Uh, Locked, on, Locked on Now, just like Knocked on Locked on now, just like locked on Reds, is free and available wherever you get your podcast. There's always one, Jeff. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I know. Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your first listen. Make sure you are following the podcast on all of the platforms, including YouTube. If you're watching us here right now, thanks so much. Hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to me on your audio feed, head over to YouTube, click subscribe. Lots of exclusive video content coming all along the 2022 baseball season. Uh, coming up on Monday, we will brace for impact as we look back on this series in L.A. and get you ready for more Late Night Reds with the San Diego Padres. All right, Jeff, we got to continue to dig through this thing. There's a, there's a lot of options as far as what to do with India being out, whether it's one game, three games, five games, two weeks. Uh, they're going to have to do something. The the infielder roster is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out what it is that Aleo Lopez has done to somebody to keep him <laughs> in purgatory AAA. I don't understand. Uh, he He's not been given a, a fair shot, I don't think, to make this team. I mean, when you go out and sign a Colin Moran, 
uh, until Aleo Lopez see ya. I mean, I, early in spring training, mind you, I don't yeah. see how uh, they've given him a fair opportunity. Uh, if you watched his social media feeds during the off season, during the lockout, you know, he was out working at becoming a better shortstop, giving him some flexibility. He was, he was posting at bats. He was hitting with some power. Uh, he was doing some things and I don't feel like he got a fair opportunity to show uh, the work he had done throughout the course of spring training. Now, obviously we don't see what goes on on the backfields. We don't see what happens over there, but at this point it's either Aleo Lopez or you getting activated <laughs> to play the infield. And I, I right. really feel like at this point, David Bell might go with you. I, I need to right. see a little bit of Aleo Lopez. I need to see what's going on with him. I feel like, Alejo Lopez like forgot to pay for his portion of the tab at some point and, and they just like are holding it against him because yeah, like this is the last straw. If you're talking about Alejo Lopez's major league aspirations with the Cincinnati Reds, this is it. Donovan, Donovan Solano is hurt. Jose Barrero is hurt. Jonathan India is hurt. Uh, Jose, you, you know, the, the, these guys are all on the IL and they're still doing everything possible to make sure that this dude doesn't get playing time. Doug Gray has said it before. There is nothing more that is needed to be seen in the minor leagues for Alejo Lopez. It is time to sink or swim. And they have given him like all of like it feels like 12 at bats. I know he's gotten more than that, but it feels like 12 at bats to prove his worth in the major league uh, lineup. So I, I want to see him get a shot, especially if we're talking about an extended absence. I understand that, you know, if it's only a few games, he's probably not for Jonathan India, then he's probably not going to be added to the roster. But I feel like this is his time to jump in and shine. And then also we haven't mentioned him in a while, but Max Schrock is her. Max Schrock's probably not going to come back even before Jose Barrero does. So all of these guys and, and the depth of the Reds has been tested to no end at the very beginning of this season. And it feels like we have a ready-made answer in Alejo Lopez that they are just completely ignoring. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we have, we're, as we're recording, they haven't made any moves yet, but Alejo Lopez is on the taxi squad. So, you know, there is an uh, availability there. So I'll yep. be interested to see as we get closer to game time. And uh, as you're listening to us before Friday night's game, don't forget that the game tonight is on Apple TV. It is not on oh, your normal yep. Reds feed if you're looking for the game. Listen, Jeff, there's lots more things to unpack from this first game in the Dodger series. Uh, the Reds do the thing that they do where they get my hopes up and then they break my heart. And that happened again last night. Uh, Tony Santion had his first bad game. But I think if we're going to point fingers at what went wrong during that appearance where things kind of got away from the Reds, I, I hate to say it, but I think you got to look at Catcher number one, I think Tyler Stevenson really missed an opportunity to settle things down and gain control of what was going on in that half inning. And he he kind of reacted late and really allowed it to get away from them. Yeah, because we're talking about a situation in which Justin Wilson was allowed to continue to pitch after he pitched a very nice two-thirds of an inning to get out of the seventh with two back-to-back -back huge strikeouts. And then he comes in. And Freddie Freeman hits a ground rule double. Okay, that's fine. You take him out. Whatever. You were going to hope to see if he could get the lefty. He could. Freeman hits a ground rule double. So he's standing on second base. David Bell's walking out to bring in Tony Santion. All of the thousands, however many people that were there at Chavez Ravine are chanting, Freddie, Freddie, Freddie. In comes Trey Turner, one of the best players in all of baseball. And you're bringing in the young guy, Tony Santion, who, yes, to this point has looked phenomenal and has a bulldog approach to the game that we love. 
But the pitch comm thing just isn't working because you watch Tony Santion in between each pitch trying to cover his ear and trying to hear the pitch call. Right then and there, Tyler Stevenson should have stood up, called time, gone out to the mound, and told him we are switching back to the old way of doing things. You know, how they called pitches in 2021. We're going to show the signs. I'm going to give you the one, the two, the three, and we're going to go from there. And that's what he should have done. He did not do that. They continued to force the pitch com issue when Trey Turner was, and sure, you know, hats off to Trey Turner for making a good swing on not a terrible pitch. It probably could have been a little bit lower in the zone, but that wasn't a a waste pitch by any stretch of the imagination. But here he does, he gets that single, Freddie Freeman scores, Dodgers take the lead. At that point, Tyler Stevenson needs to call time again and go out and talk to him. He doesn't. They continue on as normal, and, and it's just like I, I don't understand. And this is a young player that, that he needs to learn some stuff, and I love the future prospects of, of Tyler Stevenson. kept wanting to say Tony Santi. And I love his prospects as well. They both are trending up. They both have high ceilings, but at the end of the day, this is a scenario where I miss Tucker Barnhart because Tucker Ooh. Barnhart would have known to do that. Tucker Barnhart would have called time. And look, yeah, I know, I know it's a little, still a sore subject. They gave him away to Detroit, but Tucker Barnhart would have handled this a lot better. No, you're, you're not wrong at all. I think if Tucker Barnhart's in that game, it goes a little bit differently. Now listen, I can't predict that if it had been a different catcher, things would have gone differently. But I can tell you sure. it would have been handled differently. Uh, the fact of the matter is, this was the Dodgers' home opener. There was 40,000-plus people at Chavez Ravine in Dodger Stadium making a lot of noise. Uh, they talked about it on air, that the crowd was actually on time yesterday, uh, which never happens <laughs> in L.A. If you've been to games in L.A., I've been to games in L.A., you know, people are trickling in around the third inning, sometimes as late as the fourth inning, because it's L.A. and why hurry? Uh, so there was a, a playoff atmosphere in Dodger Stadium last night. And, really was. Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about Tyler Stevenson. Where was David Bell? Where was J.R. Yep. House? Where was anybody in the dugout saying, hey, call timeout. Hey, use the signs. Uh, I feel like there were multiple breakdowns in what was going on in that particular half inning. It starts with Tyler Stevenson and then, and then runs into that dugout, I think. Yeah, because I don't even think Derek Johnson went out to the mound to talk to him until after Max Muncy's at bat. Like they, I get it. They understand that Tony Santion is a different dude. Like he, I firmly expect him to continue to be at the top. And we're going to talk about bullpen power rankings here in a few minutes. But I, I firmly expect that he will be at the top of those power rankings all year long. This is his first bad performance. That's going to happen. No pitcher is perfect. You're not going to, you know, keep the scoreboard clean every single time out. But that's where the team has to step in and support him and I felt like his support system failed him in that instance yep I I agree with you yeah and we're going to talk about this bullpen with some power rankings coming up in just a couple minutes but uh some other things happened in this game Jeff and I think that Aristides Aquino was reading Twitter at some point in the game (laughs) before he went out because Reg Twitter was absolutely dragging Aristides Aquino and uh next thing you know Aquino does Aquino things boom big bomb uh uh, just absolutely crush K rush that ball. Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it's those things that he does. And you're just, when you're ready to like lead the, the mob of pitchforks to, to force David Bell to stop putting him in the lineup. He does one of these things and everybody's like, Hmm, maybe he can hit a little bit. And then we go in 14 more at bats with him missing that low outside, you know, pitch. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, there were- I'm, I'm frustrated with him, but. 
<laughs> he he reminds me of Billy Hamilton, Steve, and not because he's super fast or he can fly or things like that, but it's because remember Billy would do something that was just awe-inspiring, like top ten sports center type moment that everybody's like, holy cow. And then he disappeared for like ten you're, games. You're because talking he about just, you're talking about flashes of greatness with a lot of unrealized potential. Yeah. I feel like that's the same with Aquino. He's got that great arm in the outfield. He's got tons and tons of power, but I feel like he does not see pitches. He just doesn't have an eye at the plate. And and that breaking ball, I think he fouled one off last night. And when he fouled it off, I was like, oh, hey, look at that. Low and away breaking ball. He didn't swing and miss. He does it every time. It's like if I'm a right-handed pitcher and I'm facing Aristides Aquino, and if, okay, so if I'm a pitching coach, of a pitcher who's facing Aristides Aquino, and I see a right-handed pitcher throw a fastball, I'm like going out to the mound at that moment to talk to him and be like, why on earth are you not throwing a curveball? Curveball, slider, something that moves, loan away. Don't ever throw him a fastball. Don't ever do it because that's what he does to him. He hit that thing to, to Anaheim. I mean, that was a huge hit for him, and I love to see it. And you also love to see Brandon Drury. I mean, you know. Raise your hand best if you had him as being the Reds' best power hitter in <laughs> April of 2022. Anybody? Anybody? Let the record show nobody's raising their hand. Nobody hands. is raising their hand. <laughs> that was, oh my gosh, that was great to see. And that is why it's such a bummer the way that the eighth inning rolled around. Coming up in just a moment, we power rank the Reds' bullpen, and Tony Santion hasn't moved. If you want to see how some betting lines have moved, though, check out Bet Online. In fact, speaking of a betting line, the Reds tonight are some big underdogs. The Reds are plus 210 to win when you're talking about the money line against the Dodgers. For reference, the Phoenix Suns, according to Bet Online, have a better shot to win the Western Conference because their odds are minus 105 to win the Western Conference. And that's a better shot to win the Western Conference than the Reds have at beating the Dodgers tonight. That's interesting. And if you want to check out the number one source for all your betting stats and sports info, head on over to betonline.net. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and start of the Major League Baseball season. That's BetOnline. They've got so many great offers as well that you're not going to want to miss as you go through each and every season. Check out all the trends in action at betonline.net. That's where the game starts. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at S Offenbaker with two F's and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And you can also follow at Locked on Reds as well and subscribe right on YouTube. We've got a bunch of great stuff there for you as well. You know, talking about this bullpen, since you bring that up, uh, how do we how do we feel about Reaver San Martin's performance yesterday being included in the the bullpen portion of this conversation. I mean, I get that he was he came in in relief of Luis Sessa. I get that he didn't actually start the game, but you know, he goes out there and throws the amount of innings that he throws. That's what we expected him to do. He's a starting pitcher. I, I think it skews the numbers. Now, don't I mean, it is what it is. Luis Sessa started the game. He was the first yeah. pitcher out there. He was the starter. You can't differentiate between a starter and an opener. It's the first guy that's out there throwing a pitch. But, you know, if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to have openers, it's going to skew the way we talk about this bullpen because we're going to have some starting pitchers that come out and have a good performance like that. And it looks like, wow, that bullpen really came in and and they ate some innings and they did some things. But no, that was a starting pitcher. And I'm having a hard time reconciling how that looks on paper. I feel like this 
is like a this should be like titled deep baseball conversations like <laughs> not all rectangles are squares are all openers starters and are all starters that don't start the game relievers like I feel like there's a lot of a lot more talking that needs to be done here because yeah it, and I think there's also an argument to be had that Luis Sessa was the wrong guy to have as the opener mm-hmm. I, I think you've got a couple of guys in that bullpen that could have done a better job and had a better like mindset, at least coming into that game. Luis Sessa is a pitch to contact dude, and the Dodgers have a damn good lineup. So to start that off on their opening day with their adrenaline pumping, and you got a dude up there that's trying to pitch to contact, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And sure, a lot of that was weak contact that was just finding the hole, but at the end of the day, he gave up three runs. And at the end of the day, that's not the guy that I was thinking should be the opener type. Dude, he's not enough of a change. I get he's a righty, Say Martin's a lefty. That's a nice little change there. But you're kind of talking about similar pitchers in the sense that they're not trying to blow anybody away. And I love how Sam Martin did. I, you got to give him a lot of credit. I definitely think he stamped his uh, ticket to remain in the starting rotation oh, as yeah, long as absolutely. Mike Miner's not there. Uh, but I, I do wonder about the opener philosophy. I think it's something, I think that was the first time that David Bell employed it. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if that's not the last time that he employed well, it. Well, he said after the game, this is not going to be a regular thing. So I'm going to be interested <laughs> to see how long it is before we see it again. Listen, Sessa comes and in his one inning of work gives up three earned runs and five hits in that first inning. Sam Martin comes in the game, pitches five innings, only allows two hits uh, with two strikeouts. So that was a great bounce back performance for San Martin. I was really worried uh, about him having to come back from the way things went for him in his first start and then come back and face this Dodger lineup. But he did well and it's encouraging. It's these things we've talked about with these youngsters. There's going to be times where they have bad outings and it really is about how they bounce back. It's really about what they do next. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pleased with that bounce back and I hope the same thing happens uh, whenever we see Nick Lodolo again. That there's some bounce back moments and they can, they learn from each and every experience they have on the big league field and are able to apply that to their game. Okay, one moment. I just noticed that we've gone like super long on the second segment. So what we're going to do, we'll keep rolling. We'll mm-hmm. keep we'll roll right into the bullpen power ranking conversation and a little bit about Mike Miner and then after we do our outro, we'll record I'll record the tease and the bet online read and then I'll just drop that drop in it in. Okay. To where it should be. Um, sure. Okay. <clears throat> so so right, coming back. out of River San Martin, transition to bullpen. Yeah. And you, <clears throat> and you know, Steve, that has me thinking because we also saw Hunter Strickland that Ooh. he continues to not look very impressive at all. Uh, but Justin Wilson looked, <laughs> You sent that text to me and I was like, I don't want to respond to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he's not looking very good at all. Justin Wilson, on the other hand, looked pretty good. So that's got me thinking. Let's power rank real quick. Let's do a power ranking of the bullpen. Who's healthy right now? We're not going to include Lucas Sims because he hasn't pitched yet. But of the guys that we've seen, who's on top? Because I still think it's Tony Santion for me. I know he had a tough performance there, but I think that he's still the top dude. I agree. I, I would rank him number one in that bullpen right now, uh, just in fierceness and stuff. Yeah, the the fastball and the slider combo really really play well for me. I think number two, this is going to be interesting because we haven't seen him enough, so maybe there's a little bit of we haven't seen him struggle, so I'm putting him here. But this is, this is a regular exercise we're going to do. We're going to power rank this bullpen, and right now I've got Art Warren number two. 
Okay, I'll give you that. I think uh, I think there's still an argument to be had that Luis Sessa goes there, his opening performance yeah. notwithstanding. Um, I think they that opener that opener deal, they ask him to do things he hasn't done, he's not normally doing. Uh, I don't know that you can count that. So, okay, I'll give you Art Warren there, and then for me, you slide to three or two, two B, either way you want to call it. You know, I'll give you Art Warren. Um, you know, he's looked good in his limited experience this season, and then you slide Sessa right in behind him as your third arm out of the pen. Then after that, it gets a little bit interesting. Um, Justin Wilson, I think he's he's shown an uptick in his fastball, which is huge because I think last year it was like around 93, and last night it was like around 95, 96. And when you're talking about that kind of separation between his fastball and his breaking stuff, which is really more in the mid-80s, so you have a huge drop-off in velocity, that makes him a lot more dangerous. And that is why, I mean, he pitched so well in those two outs and it was it was a bummer that he couldn't quite get the full inning to work there he couldn't get Freddie Freeman out but um the way that he pitched to Mookie Betts was just oh that was just so awesome you know I I wondered about Justin Wilson at times last year and Mm -hmm. I really feel like the the more that we get to see him pitch the more the the higher I rank him the, the more regard I have for him. Uh, I think he probably is right now the fourth best arm in this bullpen uh, until Lucas Sims comes back. And then after him, I think it's just a collection of, I don't know, um, you could put you could put your guy Jeff Hoffman up there coming up in the sixth or seventh best arm at this point. You could put, uh, you know, Dowry Moretta maybe slots in there somewhere does in that alexis diaz have it's, an argument i, I mean, don't think maybe. he's i don't think we've seen enough of alexis diaz yeah. to know yeah. for sure where it is that he rakes i mean now listen his what he's done so far was great but it is a very small sample size jeff i think that uh once you get past justin wilson in this bullpen it becomes a head scratcher as to what the matchups are going to look like what's the best direction to go and i do not envy what david bell and Derek johnson have to figure out if you have to get deep into the bullpen in in a game because i think it really becomes a roll of the dice until these guys have the opportunity to really establish themselves more. Yeah, I think that the top four is easy. It's a hodgepodge after that. I definitely think Jeff Hoffman is below everybody else. But um, I, I still, I yeah, the power rankings are definitely incomplete. We'll, we'll keep those up as the season goes along, and that's our first iteration of them. But yeah, definitely Santion. For me, it's Santion, Warren, Sessa, and then Wilson. And it sounds like for you, it's Santion, Sessa, Warren, and Wilson, mm-hmm. and then everybody else. Um, which leads me into one last thing I want to talk about today, because there was news yesterday that Mark, uh, that Mike Miner's shoulder was sore after a rehab start, which, by the way, the rehab start did not go well. He got mm-hmm. destroyed down there in AA Chattanooga. So with that, Definitely think it means that Revar San Martin and Nicola Dolo ain't going anywhere, which is good because I want to see them get more playing time. But at the same point, the Reds made this move to kind of check a box. It, it feels like it feels like they just checked a box and said, look, we spent money. We got our guy. But they didn't do it very smartly. Where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Where are you going to go? Settle down. You know, we we spent money. It's concerning, Jeff, because... You know, I get it. Professional sports and and teams are never transparent completely about what's going on with the player, what the injury situation looks like. But, uh, you know, in spring training, Miner was quoted 
as saying, here, here's what he said. He said, everybody has aches and pains. You just try to stay on top of it, maintain it and keep going. Right now it's super early. I try to knock everything out. Well, this injury appears to be more significant than what we were led to believe. Put on top of that, Luis Castillo has not even begun to do his rehab work yet. Uh, and we were told that he was only going to miss a turn or two. Uh, there's no way that he's back in third time through the rotation right now uh, because he has not pitched yet. Uh, the injury situation with this team has always been frustrating. You, you add on top of that the things that are going on on the offensive side, the position players. Now Jonathan Indy is hurt. We don't know what the heck is going on with Nick Senzel. Uh, the team keeps saying he's not hurt. He's hurt. He got hurt when he collided. It with yeah. Tommy Pham. They yeah. can't say it. They don't want to talk about it. They know what the narrative will be. And so they're just simply saying, oh, he's fine. No problem. So I, it really stretches my ability to, to take what they say and give it credibility when they're talking about injuries. And, and so this, this Mike Miner stuff, I think, falls right into that. I think they're minimizing the fact that they went out and traded for a guy that's probably not going to pitch until mid-May, uh, maybe June. Yeah, I, I think we are seeing the fruits of the labor of a organization that doesn't really know how to put a roster together. I'm just going to say, it. I, I think that the evidence is right there in front of us. I don't think that that is a, a generalization or anything like that, because the way that this roster has moved, it certainly looks very inflexible. You've got a lot of guys out of position because of all the injuries. I get it, but that means you have no depth. And that's on the front office for not bringing in depth. I, I, I really am disappointed with how this all looks, but hey, you know, it's going to be a work in progress. This whole season, it's evident to me, and, and I really wanted it to be more of a surprise and more of a, hey, they are going to stick around for a while when it comes to the playoff race. But it certainly looks to me like this whole entire year is going to be an experiment and they're going to be trying things out and they're going to be playing guys and figuring out where they work and how they work in their positions. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to completely paint a picture of doom and gloom. Listen, you look at the yeah. you look at the Dodgers and what they've done out there in Los Angeles, and you look at the Padres and what they've tried to do over the last couple of years. These are some really good teams. If the Reds go through the rest of this road trip and win two or three games. If they come back to Cincinnati winning two or three games out of the total road trip, I'll consider that as them staying afloat and keeping themselves in a position to not just absolutely get blown away. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for them to steal one or two games in Los Angeles and maybe win two or three in San Diego. I think that's realistic. I think it can happen. So it's not all doom and gloom. But yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, if they're going to do things like that, they're going to have to get serious with this roster construction and give guys like Aleo Lopez, give guys that can slide in there right now and and do some things to to remain afloat yeah so i guess the message here is just to i guess we'll just settle down and celebrate this team you know where else are we gonna go oh that will wrap up this edition of locked on reds folks coming up on the podcast next week we will continue to review what has happened in los angeles we're also going to uh get you set for some of the games out in san diego we got a big week got some guests coming in mr mo egger from espn 1530 will be with us next week we will probably yeah. have some more crossover action with locked on san diego and we will keep you up to date on all of the happenings with your cincinnati reds thanks so much for making locked on reds your first listen uh, now make locked on mlb your second listen paul francis sullivan please call him sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues both past and present the locked on mlb podcast is just like locked on reds free and available on all platforms jeff 
We still don't know where we're going and we still haven't settled down. <laughs> but what are we? We are locked on Reds every single day. <laughs> <laughs> 